Ever heard of a podcast where one of the hosts has no idea what's going on? Well, now you have. Welcome to Unprompted, the show where one of the hosts shows up completely unaware of the conversation topic for the episode. From technology to society to history, life, and more, each episode features a unique topic and the hosts unravel the details together using nothing but their background knowledge and past experiences. Hosted by Luke Bogus and Jared Arts, we hope you enjoy today's Unprompted Conversation. Luke! We are sitting in a palace, mm-hmm. a palace in, a, in the gem of the Pacific Northwest, Capitol Hill. <laughs> you know, I think the only positive thing about this experience is that you are four feet away from me. We are once again reunited on the banks of the Pacific, you know, looking out yearning for what's beyond mm. wondering again what's to the west <laughs> <laughs> and looking back folks i'm not sure if you all realize but take take a look at your uh your calendars today and if you notice it is march 8th 2022 and if you also notice to all of our billions and billions of listeners out there or zeros of listeners who have been with us since day one <laughs> Day one, my friends, was March 8th, 2021. We have been together. We have been unprompted for 365 days. How does that feel, Jared? You know, consistently, week after week. (laughs) Every week. Marching forward ceaselessly. Not missing a beat. Never missing a beat. We, We made it. You know, I remember one of our first episodes, our one on friendship, we, we kind of wondered where we would be in a year. Mm. It's crazy to think that we're here now. You know, we kind of said, what are, how do you stay in touch? And as, as ceaselessly consistent we've been having this podcast, <laughs> I would say that this podcast helped. It did help. It helped kind of keep in touch. That's right. On our, on our busiest of times, on our worst of days, it was, a, it was a weekly thing that I could look forward to that I committed to every week at the same time every week weekly yeah (laughs) every week i looked forward for the message where luke or myself would say want to push it back to next week (laughs) well got a little busy today and the worst part is because of the time zone i mean like if it was like it's just uh it's it's tough to do it at like six my time because it's like i just get home from work it's tough to do it at eight my time because you know it's uh, it's late in the night back in the old Nebraska town, so. Yep, but we don't have that problem anymore, you know. I'm moving to Seattle. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, I am permanently for the next four days. <laughs> Very permanent. Going to be living in Seattle, working from the office. It's, it's quite a change of pace, but yeah, this is the one year anniversary of Unprompted. Um, we've talked about a Quite a few interesting things had some good conversations you know i think we look forward for to, to, to many years to come many I mean, many many i mean at least 80 at least 80 presumably episodes <laughs> <laughs> years ah, years yeah ah, all right you know, we'll yeah we'll grow old with our audience that is that is true <laughs> that is true zero gets very old yeah, it does it does <laughs> eventually 
We'll break, we'll break through. They 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 say that what is it like eighty percent of podcasts on Spotify never make it past two episodes. Jared, I'll have you know, I did, I crunched some numbers. Did you? I, uh, I I did. Leading us into the topic of today's episode, which is not really a topic at all, more of a a reflection of where we've been, who we are now, a look back at our favorites. I see you pull up the anchor, so I, I, I'll start with. I just want I just want to stop you quick. I just pull up Anchor and I remember that our last episode was about Ukraine-Russia tensions. Yeah? I'd like to take a moment to address that last episode. I said that I didn't think that Russia would invade Ukraine. For anyone who's been living under a rock for the past few weeks, Russia has invaded Ukraine in a full-scale invasion. They're currently not doing very particularly well. Ukraine is putting a very stubborn resistance. Our both of our hearts go out to the Ukrainian people. It's it's inspiring uh, to see you um, defend your homeland. We wish you the best of luck. Um, I just would like to say I was incredibly wrong, um, and I'm not going to say any more definitive statements on that situation at this moment. That is right. Well, today's topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes, very, very heartfelt. It was interesting to uh, to document our takes and how how wrong we were, Jared. Yes. But yes, best of luck to to those folks. I, I I'm curious um, from from your anchor stats. Were there any any hockey stick growth over the last year? Any any in such more sixteen episodes? We put out sixteen episodes this past year. That's yeah. that's pretty impressive. So quick anchor stats. We've had. <laughs> 235 total plays. I'm going to be honest, it's a lot more than I thought. It's three yep. digits. Estimated audience of nine. I, also, I was really hoping we cracked the double digits, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we're almost there. Uh, our plays are, you know, our most played episode is Mutually Assured Destruction at mm. 28 plays. Wow. Um, and less than 1% of our audience is from Iceland. Ah. <laughs> So that's kind of, I think those are the standout, the highlights yeah, that I just it. wanted to. <laughs> that's our growth area for this next year is, is uh, bringing Iceland. on the Iceland geo. An underserved podcast market, it I'd really say. Is. It really is. What's our, what's our, I see a little donut chart there. What's, what are we looking at? Uh, 42% of listeners listen on Spotify. Mm. 19% on web browser. Um, and only 2% on Google Podcasts. Mm. And essentially everyone is a young man (laughs) well perhaps it's because all of our friends are out there helping us along leaving giving us our zeros of listens yep well 235 listens we can be more specific these days very very true maybe next year hockey stick growth i'm feeling it growth and folks if you haven't realized we were kind of just chit-chatting this episode there's there's really no major insights to come other than the insights that we are reflecting on over the last the last year, I, ha- I have some I have some questions queued up okay. uh, for you, Jared, that I, I'd like to discuss. And some are some are at face value, just about the podcast, and some are a little a little deeper about life. So thankfully, we have our nine dollar wine that we're sipping on, and we'll we'll see where the episode goes. But I thought I'd, I thought I'd read to you some of the topics from our last sixteen episodes, and we can dive into some of our our favorite episodes, our favorite moments, perhaps. And uh, we'll just see where the conversation takes us. So I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll read through our 16 episodes and the, the general topics. Um, so first, we we began our adventure 
digging holes in the plane of knowledge with uh, our generalist versus specialist conversation. That was a 10 out of 10 title. It, it really was. And it came up naturally like in the show. I think, it, I think you are right. It was, a good, it was a good topic. It was a good way to start it off. Um, Sitting in your dorm room, putting up pillows on the desk to harbor the... <laughs> Back when we cared about audio quality. Mm. For, for anyone, we're just sitting in an open <laughs> yeah. apartment recording on a MacBook Pro with no... With nothing to improve audio quality at all. Nope. I bought a really nice mic for out here, so you're going to bump the audio production, and here we are with just a... Uh, Sipped a glass of wine. I turned off my AC or my heater, rather, so that it doesn't get too loud. But we're just, my, yeah, laptop on the couch <laughs> situation. What are your thoughts on that episode, Luke? It was a uh, it was a fun one. I think it was a good one to kick off. I, uh, I I still I think that our most I think the the most breakthrough moment of our of our endeavor for this podcast was just thinking about the um, the premise of unprompted. I think it was fun to think about the. Think of the bio, think of the intro, think of the concepts. I think the concepts definitely brought us. I, I I don't know if we would have had a rigid, like, show template and, like, very, like, rigorous research to back up our topics. I'm not sure if this would have continued as well as it did um, 16 episodes later. Seeing how quickly we devolved into no research, yes. I think that it would not have lasted. No. But one question I have is, has your opinion on generalist versus specialist changed after working for six months here's the really fun thing about digging up these titles of the episode mm-hmm. one of my questions for us later was what's what are some of your most proud takes from the past episodes and i'll be honest with you i'm not sure what i said in that first episode <laughs> i'll just be completely straight honest mm-hmm. i don't even remember my take are you proud of that i'm i'm pretty sure <laughs> knowing me i'm pretty sure i said generalists Okay. But I think there was an argument about... I think I said generalist. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) I think because... Okay, if I remember correctly, the plane of knowledge was a surface Mm. of generalist knowledge from which you can identify the, the proper areas where you should dig holes or dig your specialized... Um, like dig in for specialized knowledge. Mm. I think that was that was I think that was what I said. That seems very likely. It looks like our show notes we talked about from discussing Elon Musk's contributions to the world. And I think if I remember also like the only way you can make that contribution is to become a distinct specialist in mm-hmm. something. I think we also talked about association if I remember correctly like the idea that you know generalists like one perk of a generalist is that you're able to go deep enough to where you can start to make associations between similar problems, different fields, and how do you like tie together similar solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way to do that is a generalist so that you don't get too deep in the specialist hole. But mm-hmm. um, that was a fun episode. That, that, that kicked us off into our weekly rigor of episodes <laughs> where we went to the second topic of is the future of energy decentralized, which is a very interesting Thinking about this a year later, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have cut off a lot of our uh, from Russia. I believe what is the oil, oil and, and natural gas from Russia just this morning were um, sanctioned by the United States government. Um, this is an interesting topic. 
I can ramble a bit. I, I think I think there's no hold barred on this episode, Jerry. <laughs> um, I don't think my overall thoughts on this topic have changed that much. Um, I think I mentioned that it's likely that you know some of these ideas around decentralized power grids are like gonna get catch hold. Uh, I guess when you look at the current situation with Russia, we have a very interesting dilemma where we are cutting off one of the largest energy producers in the world and even people like Elon Musk are calling for the world to pump more oil. I saw that tweet. Um, And the Democratic administration is reaching out to countries such as Venezuela and Iran to see if they can fill the void created by Russia to meet our oil needs. Why I think this is so interesting is that we are such a an oil-dependent society. When we were discussing the uh, decentralized energy, we were talking primarily about how do we decentralize electrical energy generation. For example, you put solar panels on every building in a city and then you share power based on loads, uh, which is a pretty innovative idea. And then that, that, that combined with battery storage. Another aspect of decentralized energy is decentralizing the power source. Where are we getting our energy from? Right now, a great majority of the energy that we use is natural or like, or sorry, fossil fuels in general and oil in particular. Mm. So when you look at total energy output, when you look at how are we transporting goods, heating things, um, how are we, uh, you know, running our economy. It's, it's like primarily on oil. It's so important that we are willing to reach out, you know, to the government of Venezuela, which is, you know, haven't paid attention the last no. few years is the government of Venezuela is not good and the country of Venezuela is in a bad state, but we are so dependent on oil that in order to sanction Russia, we are willing to reach out to our other enemies. Mm. And so it's interesting to see that we are witnessing now something that might not have been as apparent a year ago, where we see the centralization not only of electrical energy generation, but of energy sources as a whole, being very dependent on oil. So something that I I would hope to see over the next um, several decades is, how do we decentralize energy sources in addition to decentralizing specific electrical energy generation. And I think that that includes decentralizing electrical energy generation because the electrical energy is one way of kind of utilizing energy. Um, but the energy comes from different sources. It comes from the sun, it comes from the wind, it comes from um, you know nuclear power plants. So how do we take in those sources, let's defocus from oil and fossil fuels and certain things and try to, you know, decentralize as much as possible so that any one hit, any oil producing country going to war like this does not screw us over so badly. Mm. It's a tough thing to do. Just a thought that popped in my head. Yeah. It's very interesting when, you know, when obviously the context of the episode was talking about 
Texas's power grid going down and kind of the implications of that. Now it's like, yeah, when you when you pull one of the major data sources or uh, <laughs> energy sources, <laughs> man, work's getting at me. Um, I, I also think one of our takes from that episode that definitely persists and like my opinion remains is that, you know, the future of energy also is has to be built around every household being its own utility someday. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this dependence on something, whether that something's a foreign country or that something is a public power grid or a private power grid, like I think that'll be a very interesting trend over the next X years is how do we, and I mean, solar is our major option now. I'm curious what it'll end up being, if any, but um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see if, if it gets to a point where every household is its own major uh, major power source. So that's a good one. It's a future of energy decentralized. Do you have a rebuttal before we keep going down the list? To what you said? Just in general, to that 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 general comment about or you know general topic of is the future of energy decentralized? Concept, please. If humans are able to crack the code to um, fusion, reliable um, fusion technology um, that is, has a positive power output, which is consistently a decade away, but maybe someday we'll hit it. Energy could very quickly switch back to being extremely centralized because it's such an efficient way of making power. Interesting. Just a concept, maybe a future episode. Look it up if you're interested. I will look it up because I am interested. That's super interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, another concept is I think about like quantum computing a lot in the mm-hmm. same realm. It's like it was, oh, it's these massive computers that are owned by the big boys. And then it was, oh, a movement to get a PC in every home. And now it's a movement of this computing power is so large, so best, so fast, whatever. It's back to being centralized. Maybe mm-hmm. the regression back to being, you know, the norm mm-hmm. is so that, that's very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Our third episode. Can you remember? Can you remember what our third episode was? Our third episode was your episode. So close. That was. It wasn't my episode. If it was my episode, then it was. Um, it was a history episode. The first history episode we did was um, Native American cultures, and then we just devolved into history yes because i'm not a history buff and jared is the biggest that is the fourth episode the third episode which we'll what is we'll let we'll we'll uh we'll gloss over because we're we get to a similar concept later the third episode was about nfts um, nfts which we can we can discuss later when we get to the web three episode okay okay, um, okay. so the fourth episode was about history that's good memory uh, we talked about uh, pre-columbian native american societies and i didn't really have much to add and so i think i just devolved the conversation to general history so um, which i will say the biggest one of the biggest things i learned from the episode maybe arguably the biggest things i've learned from the last year of episodes was from this when you changed my mind about relative history I used to think anything over 100 years ago was a bajillion years ago, and who gives a shit? And your opinion was, it was only 100 years ago. That is mm-hmm. crazy. United States was only 400 years ago. And I used to think about, oh my God, that's 400 whole ass years ago. Mm-hmm. I That's one of my biggest perspective changes from, from, this, from this entire uh, series is probably that episode. Yeah, I think that any, I think that was, a, that was a good episode. I'd recommend people listen to it. I think that is an important, that is one of the most important things to grasp for the, the young history student, mm. you know. I. 
<laughs> that is me. Um, that the fact that the favorite one that I always use as an example that I learned when I was a young chap is that when the Roman, zero AD, when the Romans ruled the Mediterranean, the pyramids were as old to the Romans as the Romans are to us. Wow. And no one knew what they were for. When the first Western historian Herodotus went to Egypt and asked what the pyramids were for, they couldn't give him a good answer because it had been almost 2,000 years since they were built. Mm. And so when you think that like one, everything is just ancient, that is not true. You know, everything is relative. There's a reason why like 1800, like seven, the 1700s and 1800s are modern history. We're technically kind of in like the postmodern world, mm. but like, like, yeah, just uh, things are old, and things are old on different scales. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's an important thing when you're when you're setting out on your on everyone's life goal to learn history. Like I know everyone does, you know, that's 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 an important first thing to grasp. And I I grasped it in that episode. And you might even be able to hear my revelation towards the end. <laughs> I, it's I I definitely I used to not. I used to really dislike museums because for me, it was just like, again, I discounted everything past the 1900s as old and ancient and who cares. And now it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive to think about things that happened 200 years ago. Like how do they pull that off without X, Y, Z or mm-hmm. same thing with a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, whatever. But again, it's all, it's all relative. So I, I learned that. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, Luke, as, as you guys would know, has been a, a diligent student of history over the past year. Extremely diligent. Read countless, countless books. Yep. Learned innumerable facts. Yes. What has been your the most important history thing you've learned over the past year? Oh, no. <laughs> I will and say, provide a book and author citation. I, I will say the citation might be Jared because I learned lots from the, from the end of the episode fun fact that is has a pretty high success rate. I think only once you like made a huge edit in the show notes, but yeah. I but generally they are they are impressive. I, I think the the one that sticks with me the most. Oh man, there was one that you talked about. Some like all the like czars and shit were like cousins or something. So during at the onset of World War One. The monarchs, the head of the states of Germany, of the UK, and of Russia, the Tsar, the Kaiser, and the King, were all, I believe, his first cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, their grandma was Queen Victoria of England, and That's so there the was like very interest, yeah, very interesting correspondence between the cousins who were all just, you know, ended up fighting one of the most devastating wars. In modern history, so yeah, that was an int- that's an interesting one for sure. Lots of lots lots of good history facts over the past year. Our our next episode, friendships, looking to the future. This was a this was a sentimental episode. This was uh, 
published on the week that we graduated the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, if mm-hmm. I can read the show notes, is it inevitable that friendships fade over time and space? And this one was very interesting to talk about because we were talking, it was kind of in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. It was, we were staring down the barrel of, you know, a thousand miles distance with mm-hmm. friends, my thousand miles distance with my girlfriend, with my family. And we, I think we kind of landed on this concept that virtual means of friendship tides you over until the next time that you can in-person connect. And so we talked about, you know, if it's 10 years of a virtual friendship, does that really matter if you're seeing them in person once every six months, once every year, versus if you would never see them again, then inevitably that dies. Like what virtual only friendships are maintained? And I think we kind of we kind of came to the conclusion that that's, it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious what you remember about that episode or if your opinions have changed. Hmm, it's interesting. I think that we are still too, we haven't waded deep enough into the ocean of time to be able to say anything definitive. Mm. You know, we, just this last weekend, we reunited with a group of friends. Mm -hmm. That was, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. And I feel like, you know, I feel like that was one of the first times that we really all were like back together and everything seemed back to normal but i mean for the most part i don't feel like we had that many great virtual interactions as like a group we planned on it remember we planned on doing like weekly wine video calls and Mm -hmm. just didn't happen you know just kind of faded out and so i think we have to wait another five years to say i think that we were able to keep a pretty good relationship going but part of that was that you're back in nebraska pretty frequently that is true so like and i wouldn't say that we had a good virtual correspondence that's true we didn't we did i would go days without responding because i'm an asshole (laughs) well not an asshole but you know busy pm yeah (laughs) busy pm sitting alone and sad in my lonely apartment yes i i agree i um I will also say, I mean, it's only been eight months since I officially moved here. Mm -hmm. And of the people that I've kept in contact with where it's virtual and we, I've maybe seen them once Mm -hmm. between now and since I've moved out here, let's, let's say a year, maybe since I graduated those folks, it's like when like there isn't a lot of catching up to do. If that makes sense. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, it'll be interesting when it gets to a point to where, inevitably, some of those friends I don't talk to for six months. Like, I feel like it's been able to be a relative maintaining a friendship because a lot of the people that I talk to, it's just, like, kicking off where we left off because it's only been six months. And, like, yeah. how much can actually change in six months? And maybe you launch a project at work and maybe you start going to the gym more. But, like, relatively, life doesn't change a ton mm-hmm. in six months. So, I found it interesting reconnecting with people I hadn't talked to in a long time. Today, I just talked to somebody who I hadn't talked to in, like, deeply talked to in, like, September. And we caught up about, you know, their life and stuff. But relatively, it was kind of just picking up where we left off. And it wasn't just, like, give me an overview of everything that's happened. Because, you know, there's not that many updates at the end of the day other than, oh, I'm, you know, taking these classes or whatever if you're still in college. Or I picked up this one hobby or whatever. So... I think it'll be interesting when there's when there's lots of gaps in time where it's six months between when you see them or talk to them. Like, 
if it's if it ever becomes where it's like every six months we see each other but we don't maintain contact between mm-hmm. versus every six months we see each other every year we see each other every year and a half we see each other but we maintain contact virtually in between i wonder which relationships will hold up more we'll have to see i mean luke's a huge metaverse oh shell these oh. days i mean the biggest I'm, I'm a meta salesman over here for the what is it called nowadays? MetaQuest? The, the MetaQuest 2, unfortunately. That is the name <laughs> that they decided to keep and get rid of Oculus. I will say that was a weird move. I, I, To me, the hardware line being titled Oculus and Meta being the parent company that has the Horizons like game and you know actual software like to me it would make a natural separation mm-hmm. but uh yeah they unfortunately chose the the meta quest well but and so maybe we will be li- friends in the metaverse we might and we should we could do virtual metaverse podcast recordings can you believe that <laughs> we could sit across the table look at our vr selves and have the most beautiful microphone the best studio better than our pillows on the table we should uh we should release a 3d view metaverse podcast immersive unprompted experience <laughs> <laughs> i know that that's what our listeners are dying to hear based off of their feedback form that we have gotten many Two test <laughs> Test two two very meaningful responses of feedback (laughs) that we have gotten from our avid listeners shows how well it's 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 working it is working yeah we haven't been told no yet yeah (laughs) guess we don't might not know if it's working we might not know (laughs) but on to the next one keep it trucking mutually assured destruction are by far our most popular episode i think it was the timing i think we posted this episode like the day after the Iron Dome was talked about big in the news. Possibly so. I think we also, we had had a really, we had had an uncharacteristically consistent run. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> of, of like three or four weeks or something. That, that is true. And so I think that any like consistency in podcasting helps. Nonetheless, I think it was a good episode. I think it was my brother's, one of my brother's favorite episodes. Wow. Um, I think it's an interesting talk. I didn't, I didn't expect it to go that way mm. at all. Um, Let me talk about nuclear weapons and I just, your balance of peace. I, I just wanted to talk about the, like, the, like air doctrine during the interwar period, <laughs> and it just didn't work out. <laughs> it didn't work and out. And so we talked about a much more popular topic, I think. Mm. And uh, no, I think it's it's a more relevant topic for right now because of the current situation in mm. Eastern Europe. But in it, yeah, it is a very interesting thing right now. I think that the mutually assured destruction, or I mean, in particular, just nuclear weapons in general is one of the primary reasons that um, NATO and Western European countries aren't getting involved in Ukraine directly. Um, obviously, no one wants to get nuked. Russia has a lot of nukes. Um, Putin is not perhaps the most stable um, person at this at this moment. So everyone is being very cautious in what they do. At the same time, they're being a lot more um, a lot more hawkish than I anticipated Western Europe being. So. It'll be an interesting time. Perhaps we'll uh, we'll get to uh, as a world test this this theory um, uh, sometime soon. Interesting. Yes, I feel like we have a lot of war episodes where we made a lot of hot takes. 
<laughs> I could be very interested if those hot takes were documented <laughs> and or remembered by people. Yeah, I think, but I mean, this is one of our classic, like we, we do a lot of episodes similar to this where we just kind of talk about like, oh, this is something in history that like happened. What is, you know, what is the world? What, what are thoughts about the world? And I think this is an interesting one of like, um, what is the, the thoughts behind mutually assured destruction? How did it develop? And, you know, what's going to happen in the future? Just like our, our, you know, our classic, just totally, you know, shooting the shit mm. on what's going to happen in the future. And we don't know, but it's, it's fun to talk about. It is fun to talk about. And I think honestly, one of the, <clears throat> one of the nice things, one of the things I've appreciated a lot about this podcast is like a, two parts one like personally getting better at like trying to articulate my thoughts and like you know i have a lot of things that mull over in my head a lot of things that i've never gotten out and i feel like i've you know it's, it's still a work in progress but it's been interesting to try to you know describe and talk through you know some of our opinions but then also like have it documented like i like i feel like putting things on the record is sometimes a risk because you never want to say the wrong thing but like <laughs> Also, I feel like it's just, it's going to be interesting, you know, in 10, 15 years, maybe we're a couple hundred episodes deep to like look back at some of our opinions and our thoughts, especially around like some of like the life episodes that we'll get to like in a second. Like it's just, it's, it's a fun way to document how we grow and improve and become more comfortable in just, I don't know, in podcasting and just like our perspectives on life. I know I definitely like, we're going to get to it in a second, like some of the hot takes and one of the. Uh, like finding home episode um, that I've definitely changed my opinion on. Um, and Jared <laughs> knew he'd, I changed my opinion on it, but it's just, it's fun to just know that that was my feeling in that state and time and yeah. just like, look back and be like, you know what? I've matured, I've grown, I've changed. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's one of the yeah. fun parts about the show. For sure. We don't have to crawl through every episode. I know we can't, we don't have a, a lot of time. So I'm going to wrap up the next, the next two into one. We talked about tech ecosystems and electric trucks. And if, you know, if uh, the typical truck guy will switch to the electric vehicle. And we talked about um, if the utility of the infamous ecosystem actually br is real or imagined. So I don't know if you have any solid memories from either of those episodes about EVs or uh, the infamous Apple ecosystem. I have lots of memories about electric trucks. Um, I think that, I don't think my opinions have changed that much. Right now, no one can buy a truck no matter what um, because, <laughs> you know, supply shortages are rough, so prices are so high. Um, I still think electric trucks will be a thing. I think that it will be interesting to see exactly what segments take them up. Uh, I want one personally. Uh, there's becoming more and more like uh, coming out um, or like the traditional companies are looking into it. Chevy, Dodge have both kind of released concepts for it. They're looking to do it. The Ford one is becoming more and more real. Um, hopefully it's like officially out soon. That'll be mm -hmm. fun. Uh, Rivian is, is out. It's very well received. Their PR department didn't do the best job. Um, they had to raise prices. It was a pretty rough situation, but... Um, yeah, it's still a great truck. It's a great vehicle. I mean, um, I think that they're going to continue to be great. As far as ecosystems go, uh, I think, I don't remember everything I said in that episode. My thoughts on ecosystems now is I, I think I'm 
I'm becoming old. Mm. And I've, I think I've gotten set in my way of using Android. I've started to enjoy Windows. Oh. <laughs> oh. And I've like gotten used to this like mult like cross ecosystem lifestyle, mm. where I choose what I think is the best for particular things, and I've just shut off this I like essentially shut off an idea of an ecosystem almost completely, except for power tools. I'm still agonizing over what power tools to get ah. so that I all have the same battery. Uh, exactly and that exactly that is like exactly we talked about if it's real or imagined like there's like this one feature this one thing you can't imagine life without Um, and if you buy one other thing then you are crawling into the rabbit hole of oh I can't do this because my ports change or this changes or I can't do universal control with my MacBook and my Mac and my iPad and my iPhone or whatever it might be and ultimately I do think it's mostly imagined I don't even know if I said that for sure, but that's what I think right now. Mm. Like, it's a mostly imagined utility um, as a person who doesn't live completely in any silo. Like, Luke Bogus, the the, uh, the Apple shill who uses Outlook. <laughs> yes, and? <laughs> but um, I still agonizing over my power tools decision. You know, whether that's an imagined utility or not, like, I think I probably could buy multiple. It's just a... I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough, tough decision. That's interesting. Yeah, major thoughts also haven't changed. I know I talked a lot about just like life ecosystems. Like I'm still obsessed with Harry's. Like I feel like I like the men's product Quip. Um, I'm Quip. still obsessed with. I, I will say I think um, it was definitely a little obsessive back then as far as just like trying. I was like in this phase of moving and I was kicking off my new lifestyle and I was like. I had the awesome opportunity to like basically buy everything brand new and scratch. Like I moved out here with like a couple suitcases and I bought everything in this apartment. And so it was like it was it was interesting to think about, you know, well, if I could buy all new X, like what would I buy? And so, you know, it was interesting that unintentionally, you know, I bought all my like dishes and cups and stuff from IKEA because it was cheap, but intentionally I bought, you know, all I bought couple Sonos speakers now I have a Sonos ecosystem in my house so um, I think that's why I was so obsessed with it I will say that my my obsession has gone down I have since bought other things other than Harry's for my like you know men's products Uh, I know breaking the ecosystem but I I also think you know I used to be so obsessed with the latest and greatest Apple stuff and the latest and greatest tech and like I'm just uh, I'm just not anymore like I uh, today there's an Apple event I usually would do whatever it takes to block off my time to watch it. Didn't watch it. I usually watch the Verge's cut of the the thing in 18 minutes. Didn't even watch. I don't even really... I mean, I saw a picture of the Mac Studio, but I didn't even really, really look into any of it. So it's also interesting just how that interest has kind of waned, which has also maybe decreased my interest or the my, my strong strongly held opinion in the um, importance of an ecosystem. Interesting. But that being said, I will never, never buy a personal Windows device, and I will never buy an Android. I'll say it. Okay. Just like to take you back to when Luke first saw the announcement for the Surface Neo. Yes, and? A Windows device, and Luke said, I'm going to buy this. I, that is something that came out of my mouth. That is true. So you just wait. Until what, what Panos pulls out of his back pocket next. I will say this. I will say, I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if I commented on this in that episode or not. But I will say that 
I used to think I had a Mac for certain activities, an iPhone for certain activities, and an iPad for certain activities. I will say I never use my computer, my Mac, unless we're recording our podcast or I'm doing some very intense research on something. Like 99% of my tech usage outside of work is my phone. My iPad's been dead for months <laughs> and I really never used it. So it's like my, I think my opinion on that was that it was the perfect to go device and it's going to be like perfect for reading the news and surfing and browsing and stuff. I have just like in my workflow at night, I just for some reason don't find myself pulling up my iPad in the morning to read the newspaper or whatever or do some certain activity. I just even if it's a lesser experience on my phone, I do it on my phone because it's more convenient. That's because so, you don't have an ink tablet. That's true. Maybe I'm maybe I'm missing the the product that you know inserts into my lifestyle correctly. And the iPad's just not there, and maybe yeah. the it's maybe too distracting. You need you need something that just removes distractions, mm. like the remarkable tablet. I the five hundred dollar money grab. I mean, uh, incredible device <laughs> that is. Honestly, remarkable is kind of cool. I'll say it. Like, it's not too bad. It is. It is built specifically for Luke Bogus. Mm. That's what I'll say. That's questionable. You need to focus. You know. That's true. Focus. I did. I bought a Kindle actually for that same wow. reason. I wanted to get better at reading because I was getting distracted. You know, I was thinking that if I had this Kindle app on my iPad, that'd be distracting. Have you used it? I haven't turned it on since I bought it. <laughs> record it was on sale it was thirty dollars but i haven't used it classic classic so classic on to the next episode we got game theory i remember this one was was our very first unprompted guest which started off a little shaky we uh we were kind of nervous to start i think i think a few of us had a little hiccups did you listen to every episode no i'm just reading the show notes oh it says that we were shaky no i just recall I just recall because I, I, I remember either Shane Jay or you or somebody saying like, "Should we restart?" And we were like, "No, no, we don't oh. restart on this episode. We don't restart on this series. It's and, all raw." And then we didn't edit it. And then we didn't edit it because we don't. Edit. Nope. No, we do not because it just it helps it helps the experience. But I do remember sitting around the table at your uh, at your farm and uh, had a had a good meal and had a good chit chat about about game three. I learned a lot. Learned a lot about. Game three from Shane J, our first guest. What do you remember anything about that episode that you want to call out? I don't know if I remember anything specific. I don't think I had any there was no like hot takes. Just learned, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't actually remember any specific call outs other than I didn't really know a lot about game theory. I didn't definitely didn't know what tit for tap meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can give you a definition for either right now. Mm-hmm. Um, for tit or for tat (laughs) or for game theory (laughs) for tit or for tat but no that that was that was definitely it was fun to have a guest on and we would like to do that more often Um, so we yeah I mean it's fun to bring other people in uh, to have other thoughts Um, because you know we've about figured each other out I think we have (laughs) so it's just you know too easy these days. <laughs> Too easy. I I think it, that's definitely on the goals for 2022 is uh, bringing on some more guests. I believe we already had um, one guest input interest into yes. uh, participating. Which so I think would be an extremely interesting episode. It would be a very fun episode. So, so here's to making that happen yeah. in the next coming months. Mm-hmm. Our, uh, our next episode is Super Apps on the Rise are Already Risen. Says the title that Jared thought of. He's always, by the way, huge shout out to Jared for always coming up with <laughs> incredible titles, incredible show notes, editing, basically doing everything while I kind of just sit on the sidelines. But and, and Luke brings support. Luke brings the soul. Ah, 
the soul of the podcast. Mm. I have to say about this one, Luke. I don't remember it. It is perhaps one of the episodes that ranks as not super memorable for me, unfortunately. It, it wasn't. I think this was the last episode that we recorded in person, if I recall. It was in, was it in my, my, my bedroom? Yes, childhood bedroom. Yep, I think you're right. Yep, it was the last one. So then we talked about Uber a little bit. Yep. And we talked about WeChat mm-hmm. and why, like, are postulating on why that wasn't here. I think we maybe talked about PayPal, how they're trying to be a super app. And yeah. if we didn't talk about it, it's very interesting to kind of see their super app moves um, mm-hmm. recently. But... Yeah, it's not a very memorable one. We can uh, we can move on to the next two, which I'll I'll bunch the next two together. We have finding home and systems. So the first one was, what does it mean to put down roots? And this was the very first episode of uh, me settling down to the city. And then the second one was about, you know, how do we actually form systems of real life? You know, we don't have class to, mm-hmm. you know, don't have somebody building our schedule for us. We build our own schedule outside the nine to five. So these two were definitely um, these were they were interesting times. This was not our most consistent. We posted in August and in October. <laughs> um, lots had happened in that time. I think a mm-hmm. huge adjustment period for both of us. Jared bought a house. Um, I moved here. So any 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 thoughts during those kind of like that three-month period of uh, those two emotional episodes? I think that this time was probably like a super important like period of change for the both of us. Mm. I feel like, you know, this is when you left Mm -hmm. and you were, you know, you mentioned your opinion on the finding home episode roots, you know, things like that have changed. Mm -hmm. In addition, I feel like then when we got to the systems episode, you know, at the start, the first episode you were like, okay, I got to Seattle. Like it's, you know, here it's like an exciting time i feel like by the systems episode you were like (laughs) apologize to anyone who loves cap hill you're like i'm living in cap hill and i'm trying to figure out how to like enjoy life Mm -hmm. and i i just i i think that for me i bought a house i started living in a house i feel like my life didn't change that much like in in a lot of ways Mm. But I'd like to hear, like, what are your thoughts on anything you said during that time Mm. and what you feel now? Because I think it's different. I will say, I... Depressed is a very strong word. And Mm -hmm. I hesitate to use it because I think people, there are people who really deal with real depression. And I, I don't think I was there. However, I will say... I have never felt the way I had felt in life, probably September through October. As in, and that's kind of why we talked about that one about systems. I, I think I just, if you, if you look back at it, I talked about how, do, basically like the show episode says, how do you build a life? Like that yeah. was what we talked about was like, yeah. Because all throughout college, you do things so that you can get a great job. You Mm -hmm. go to school for the job. You do homework so you can do good in school to get your job. You do extracurricular so it looks good on your resume to get a job. You build a network of friends so that you guys can keep in touch to where maybe in the future you guys can work together. Like, right? Everything was about work and all. So for the first time ever, 
moved here, and right away, week two, works nine to five. What yeah. do you do on the weekends? Who are you if you had to say, tell me about yourself and not include your job? Like, I think yeah. one of the most craziest like, quotes I heard recently was like, you know, we we tell ourselves, like, as kids, we ask kids, well, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Insert profession. Yeah. Nobody says, who do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a brother. I want to be yeah. a reader. I want to be a, you know, healthy person. You know, I want to be a great dad. Like, that's the gut is to say my job. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting for the first time in my life to, to know that, wow, life is more than my job. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, you know, has something to do with I'm just getting used to what eight to five looks like maybe it's something to used to wow like am i really interested in what i'm doing like mm-hmm. who knows and that's still what i'm trying to figure out but i think the biggest revelation was i was going back to my comment about i've never felt the way i felt was i had an energy problem i called it like i would get off work and i'd be drained from work i would then not have any energy to make dinner I wouldn't have any energy to text anyone back. I wouldn't have energy, any energy to go on a walk. Like I just wanted to sit on this damn couch, do nothing. And I would sit here from six to 10 watching YouTube, calling my girlfriend and I just didn't want to do anything. And I would go straight to bed and I'd do it all again. And it was so sad for like three weeks and I just did not know how to break out of my shell. And thankfully I broke out of my shell by flying back to Nebraska a few times. And it just Mm -hmm. kind of reset my mentality for what is life. Like what, like who am I outside of work? Like getting, cause at that time it was all hybrid. It wasn't hybrid work yet. Yeah, so I was, was basically, I saw a couple friends here once a week. That was it. Mm-hmm. Like that was my interaction with people. Um, it was a crazy time. And so I think the holidays definitely reset my mentality coming back here. I got a lot better about going to the gym, cooking, mm-hmm. finding things that are more enjoyable on the weekends to do things to look forward to at the end of the work. I bought, um, an Oculus so that it gives me something to do, have some friends that mm-hmm. I play with. Otherwise I just, you know, something to look forward to, um, having you come out here, having, yeah. you know, like scheduled, uh, flights going back home and to do yeah. vacations. Um, so I guess all this to be said, I've learned a lot about life is like what you make of it. You can bitch about it. You mm-hmm. can, complain about your job you can complain about being in a rut you can complain about you know like not having any hobbies or you can try to get out of your rut or and you can try to make hobbies and you can try and fail i mean and it's another thing is that i hesitate to even try hobbies because yeah. i'm like well, what if i fail and mm-hmm. right so i think i've gotten a lot better at that um but i think those are those are kind of the major takeaways about you know it's um i was trying to think of another quote i heard a really good quote but i can't remember how how it goes. So if I think of it, I'll say it later. But um, yeah, I think what, that yeah. it's like, yeah, it was good. it's good to hear that like, you know, there's, you've started to develop the systems that you yearn for in that mm. episode because yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, I heard it from, I think a lot of people who were out here. It was just, it's tough because you come, sometimes you come to a city like this to like, you know, live life, quote yes. unquote. Yes. And in in COVID times, especially here in Seattle, you just couldn't. And so it, it really like diminished. Like, it was hard to do anything but work. And that was the same for me. Like working remotely, it's hard to do anything but work. Like that's your only purpose. You were so mentally tired. And then yeah. But I hope you know. Keep coming back to Nebraska often. Because uh, right. I, I have a vacant office in my house. That is right. So, but yeah, it's been, I think it's, 
it's important, and I think we both we both have plenty of time left mm. to learn like what life is really about. You know, we are not. We are twenty. Are you twenty three? Twenty two. Am I twenty three? <laughs> Just a quick math. Fuck. I'm twenty three. Mm. You're twenty two. Mm. But I mean, even though we feel old, I feel old. You know. We're still pretty young. Like, we still have time to figure out what life's about. Just like your, our history lesson. I think I'm like, it's been eight freaking months since I've been out here. Uh-huh. It's so long. It's only been eight months. Perspective mm-hmm. change. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Think about it like history. That's that's the lesson of this podcast. Yeah, there you go. You know, you just got to internalize history. <laughs> but no, that was... Uh, I agree. I think there's this, there's this lure of... I think another thing I learned, actually, maybe to back up, is... There's this lure that big city will help you find new things and escape what you think is holding you back. But when you really boil down the things that you like to do, the hobbies that you have, if they're inherently a big city, then by all means. Meaning, if you love comedy, Mm -hmm. you probably need to go to a big city to get great comedy clubs. If you love indie music artists, you probably need to go to a big city so you can, right? If you love taking walks and going to your local coffee shop and grabbing a beer with friends and those are the things you like then is moving a thousand miles away from those people really the right move that's the thing i think a lot about and that makes me now granted at this perspective is hard because back in july i was fully convinced we were going in office i mean the world seemed to be on an upturn i was moving out here for the right reasons but then six months remote where you're basically working remote in a city where i pay so much i'm getting really nothing out of it that's when it really made me start to think. So I can't look back and say I would have done it differently, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's the biggest thing I learned is that just by living in Seattle doesn't make things better if your hobbies are inherently not big city, which mine aren't. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, like where you were then, I would have never imagined you making a different decision. Mm. You know, because you were, I want to go live, I mean, you were like, I want to go live in New York, not Seattle, yeah. you know? I don't know if you still still probably want to go there for a while, but I feel like you might not want to live there permanently. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things that uh, is very interesting is that my girlfriend wants to get a PhD somewhere, and some of the some of the names of the cities that she's been throwing out are definitely not uh, not on the list of dream cities. Let's say not on the list of former Luke dream cities. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I've realized is that again, what are the things that you enjoy to do? What are your hobbies? And n- the list of my hobbies really aren't inherently tied to big city. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a little tied to being close to an airport so I can go fly and do those things every yeah. once in a while because I enjoy doing those every once in a while, but not every mm-hmm. weekend. Um, so yeah, it's like it doesn't really, it's my opinion on living in the big city has definitely changed. Now, do I want us to live in New York? Yes. Do I want to live in New York alone? No. Mm-hmm. I think I would only do that if there's a bunch of friends there that I have or I move out there with my girlfriend. Um, and even then, maybe a month in New York, you'll be, that is that'll true. be enough. That is, I don't know. Very true. Well, we're getting close to time, so I think I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start to, to kind of aggregate some of the last episodes here. Um, we have our, our NFT Web3 topics, um, and let's, let's pack in our artificial intelligence one as well. The AI episode is a lot about implications on our lives, free will. Mm-hmm. Um, Web3 was kind of a, it was a rough start for me. I think that of all the rambly episodes I've had, that was probably the worst. But it led to a good topic and where we talked a lot about you know me coming out hot about Web3 being the future and Jared saying, I disagree. 
That's That's probably our first like black white disagreement. Yeah, I think that this is the most we've disagreed on anything, and I think we probably haven't changed our opinions too much. I think I'm still not a Web three bull, and I think you are are not a bear. Mm. I think that. Uh, yeah, I think I might. I pretty much stand where I stood before. Is I I think that it's not revolutionary. I think it's um, it's a little bit evolutionary. It's there's it's iterates on the current web that we have. I don't think it's going to like completely redefine the world. I don't think everyone's going to be sitting in VR headsets. They are cool. I've used them mm. now after visiting Luke. I mean, Luke and my other or other friend Shang Jay, who was a guest on the podcast, yes, made sure of it. But it's just I, I don't think it's I don't think it has the value that it's being prescribed. Mm. I stand by that statement. Yet. <laughs> Yes, yes. Classic rebuttal. <laughs> I, I will say, I think I've definitely cooled the jets a little bit on my interest. Um, I think the, the concepts are compelling, and I think the things that it theoretically stands for is compelling. We are multiple years away from it actually making a difference, and I don't think it makes a difference until it's approachable. Um, yeah, if they are just highly technical projects that are super non-democratized, it's not going to make a difference. But I think the second that it becomes something that, you know, I'm not sure if anyone will ever make it a, you know, conscious decision to do X on the blockchain or make sure that Y is Ethereum. Like, I think there's still, a, there's still something to be said about, you know, the underlying tech being powered by X, something that my dad would use, but unknowingly. Right now, it's always... Tech, it's tech forward, it's very project forward, it's very company forward, but um, I don't think that it really makes a difference until it's just uh, you know customer value forward. Like, here's why you would do this. Like, here's why you would use our you know DeFi loaning system versus like going to our bank. Like, until that's enumerated in non-technical terms and until my dad says, oh, that makes sense, it's not there yet. I see. I agree with that. I still don't think it's gonna have as big of an impact. Mm. But we'll sit in uh, in five years again. We'll revisit that. That's right. Our one year, two year mega episode next year. When we're uploading episode five hundred to the blockchain. Yes. <laughs> then we will read. I can eat my hat. <laughs> Speaking of reading your hat or eating your hat, uh, we are going to be going to our. We're, we're going to skip over the colonization of space unless there's any uh, major callouts that you want to make. Space is cool. Space is space is cool, and that's where I also told you about my metaverse headset. I believe. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but yes, speaking of eating the hats, we talked a little bit about the future of warfare. Um, obviously, we ate our hat at the, the comments at the end of the episode, but I still think some of the comments around uh, forms of warfare are not just straight to nukes nowadays. I think that's, that's still very obvious with uh, some of the sanctions and some of the conversations going on. I think we've, we've been validated in some of our statements. Mm, if you look at <laughs> <laughs> If you look at the way that social media is being used in this war. The, the Ukraine, what, what, the, what the heck is this gonna be called in 10 years? Uh, the Ukraine-Russian War of 2022. Mm. If you look at the way that social media has been used, particularly uh, successfully by the Ukrainian government, the Ukrainian people, it is fascinating. 
because this is a war unlike anything else before. It is fully documented. Uh, espionage is democratized and outsourced mm-hmm. to the population. The whole world is getting on board helping this country due to like essentially an exceptionally successful marketing campaign by the Ukrainian government. Yeah. Um, it is just, it is a completely different war. Um, if this war was happening 150 years ago, it would hardly make a, um, a paragraph in your local newspaper and it has captivated the world. And so I think that we talked some about like the way social media could be used in kind of almost like an offensive way. We didn't really talk about it in this fashion, but I think that we, the spirit was there. The spirit was there. You know, it's implied. It read, read between the lines. Yeah, we, between the lines. We had this a, the spirit of being correct. Mm. You know, minus but, the whole. Minus no the whole way being correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and saying that Russia wouldn't do it. Still very surprised if uh, Vladimir Putin is listening to this. What the hell were you thinking? Yeah, I was also kind of shocked to wake up to that news. Um, I was scrolling through bed, scrolling through Twitter on bed, being out here in the Pacific time <laughs> zone, and uh, it's a cool like ten forty-five p.m. and doing a little final Twitter check, and uh, got the breaking news on Twitter and saw that the invasion has begun, and it was a, uh, it was it was a late night looking at the news. <laughs> um, yeah, very surreal, very mm-hmm. surreal. That's for sure. And with that, that is our 16th episode of the year. I, I, you know, to wrap this up, this is our longer than time, but obviously it's a very arbitrary time that we have. I, I think we can go longer. I, I mean, this is a special episode. That is, it's a very special episode. Yeah. Very special. And I guess my, maybe my question for you is what's uh, outside the scope of the podcast? Maybe, maybe uh, think about a year ago from today. We were sitting in your dorm room, putting the pillows up, ready to record, had my notes ready to go. We were both a little nervous to turn on the mic, and we just did it. Between then and now, what's the biggest life lesson that you've obtained over this last year? Hmm. Just made that sound so people knew we didn't cut out. I think something that's very important that I've learned is that when you're young and you see adults doing things, you have this sense that everyone knows what's going on. When you're doing school projects and then you look at people doing things at work, you have this idea that it's more serious, super, much more serious, much more constructed, much more, um, you know, like, Rigid. When you get to the real world, you realize a hell of a lot more people are winging it than you expected. Mm. You realize that things are looser than you expected, that group projects in school are a lot more like working than real lo- than you thought it was. Um, and that, like, sometimes you just gotta not worry about things so much. Like... It'll be okay. Like, a lot of, most things you do don't matter as much as you make yourself believe that they do. And you'll beat yourself to hell thinking that something you're doing matters a lot more than it does. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned after starting work in the real world. Is that like, yeah. 
things typically aren't as important as you make them out to be. And like you ultimately are the one that's usually deciding, like like judging yourself and doing stuff like that. That's that that's my viewpoint. Interesting. That the narrative we build around situations. Yeah, the what the narrative you build and the reality are usually vastly different. Hmm. And that's usually a significant impact on your uh, you know difficulties you have a hmm. lot of times. Or at least for me, that's that's what I see. So I'm curious drilling down into that like agree with the observation totally agree has your has your approach ha- have you made changes to your approach or made changes to your mindset because of that observation like have you have you had a situation where you started to think that way and then you're like oh but this is actually like like your insight comes in like i'm i'm curious have you kind of like has there been any instances in where you've had to use that or is it more just like an interesting observation? It's an interesting observation. Mm. I am still motivi- motivated by the fear of failure mm. in my life. And so in some ways I'd say I actively encourage that thought mm. as opposed to trying to <laughs> trying to fix and grow out of it. Because I'm, you know, you're still young and young and have certain thoughts about what you need to accomplish that's right so while it's a great observation you know perhaps it'd be it's wonderful would be wonderful to hear out of a psychologist's mouth (laughs) as of yet there's no action Mm. but i guess i'll ask you what what's your biggest insight my biggest insight i uh Okay, I'm not sure if it's going to make sense, but I'm going to try to explain it the way I think about it. Like, you think about life, or you think about your week, right? You think about your week in the span of, or at least I think about my week in the span of, I have my 8 to 5, my job, what I get paid to do, and then I have everything else, right? Of those 16 hours to 6 of it, 8 of it I sleep, and 8 of it I make the most of it. Like, it's kind of the way I think about it. So if you have your life into or your days into three eight-hour chunks. Eight's work, eight's sleep, eight's life. If you were to completely and utterly erase the work hours, so you just had 16 hours a day, and like I mentioned earlier, you had to then form a, a you know, about me or a biography about yourself, mm-hmm. what would you say? Now, I used to kind of say, and I even said earlier that, like, if you just took away your profession, who would who would you be? Now, I, my argument, I think, with to that recently has been, I genuinely enjoy tech. Like, I love talking about tech. I love thinking about it. So, like, I it, discounting that as a hobby is not correct. Mm-hmm. But I think I think leading with oh, tell me about yourself, Luke. My goal is to someday answer that question casually in a conversation with somebody and just forget to mention my job. Like I, I, I want to live my life and I want to live my weekends and I want to live my evenings in a way to where I can give, I can have an interesting conversation with somebody. I can carry on an hour long conversation and not mention anything about my job. Maybe I can mention things about tech because tech's a hobby, Yep. but I can't, I don't have to mention. And like, Oh, and by the way, where do you work? Like I want that to be the, Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. rather than the, the crutch of, I guess I'll lean back on this because this is all I have interesting about myself. Mm. 
Now I asked the second part of the question to you about action. My response has been, I have not, I'm trying. But I also will say one like realization I've had recently is that I feel like I've also discounted a lot of my hobbies as not hobbies. Because, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, one of the things I used to say is that if you had to eliminate tech from your bio, what would you say about yourself? Now, tech's a hobby. I found tech as a hobby. I love reading about the news on tech and startups and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that is a hobby. And so I'm like, well, what are other things that I'm discounting? Well, I love craft coffee. I love craft beer. I love watching sports. I love, mm-hmm. you know reading twitter like honestly it's a hobby like maybe it's not the most healthy hobby but it is a hobby right Mm -hmm. thinking about things in the context of oh that's not a hobby or oh that's boring or oh whatever like i think learning to romanticize the things that you enjoy is important and uh yeah i want to start living my life in the next year in a way that um i can answer the tell me about yourself without mentioning my job that's an incredible goal i think that that's that is a dream Mm -hmm. i don't i think that i'm quite far away from that as well i think that i've i'm my job at this moment is so so intertwined with my day mm-hmm. i couldn't i don't think i could split my day into eight hour chunks because I, I i work typically longer and than that yeah um or just like intertwined interspersed throughout the day but someday perhaps luke yeah i, I will say that it's interesting that the first three months of my job I would go to bed anxious about work. I would wake up on a Saturday and think about that document that I wrote on Friday or that email that I need to send on Monday. Mm-hmm. I have found that I've gotten a lot better at muting all notifications. I have a, a rule set to where I get no notifications on weekends and no notifications at night. Um, I've contemplated just straight up deleting Outlook on the weekends on my phone. like. Those types of things that helps me separate it, I have found that like my outside of work anxiousness has gone down extremely. Mm-hmm. I've also very much focused on taking an hour for lunch. I very much focused on, yeah, just like trying not to think about it outside of the hours because not because it's like, oh, trying to minimize the tax of work, but more so trying to maximize like, okay, if I really want to get good at this life thing, I need to give it energy and I need to have energy for it. And so letting work consume that energy 100%, granted it is my means of having this life, yeah. but it's not worth like stressing about it all the time because your, your thoughts at 8 p.m. aren't going to affect, like you're still going to have work tomorrow. You're still going to have yeah. those problems tomorrow. So I, uh, I, I'm trying to master the art of having enough energy at nights to do things because today it stands that I get home at 5 and I am exhausted and I don't want to do anything. So then I don't cook that meal. I go grab Chipotle. I don't go to the gym. I sit on TikTok. And that's where I think I need to flip the model to where when I am exhausted, I lean on my habits and I lean on the things that I look forward to. And those things that I look forward to are the hobbies that I'm currently trying to explore what I like. I've been going to the gym recently. I kind of like it. It's things that I look up online. I look at form. I look at different workouts. I'm trying to get interested in it. And thinking about things as, uh, as more of a hobby, I think it will hopefully serve me well but um yeah that is that is my goal for this next year um i think friend the biggest thing that i've learned it's more of a learning at this point but uh we'll see if it ever transitions to uh to a doing to a doing well that's good that this was a this is a deep episode it was a deep episode It it was great to reflect we've we've come so far we uh jared's bought a house jared's engaged Congratulations. Engaged. I don't know if we've officially unveiled that on the podcast. I'm not sure if it's been unveiled at all. So apologies. It might be the, fir- might be the uh, first public 
announcement. Well, sorry to, uh, to, to... Now the whole world me. knows. <laughs> That's right. Those billions of listeners, we're going to wake up on Twitter. It's going to be breaking news. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun year. I think that, you know, obviously, like, we're not doing this podcast for money. Like, obviously. Like, <laughs> we're doing... Like, it's fun to talk to each other. It's fun to talk about different things. Like, any... I think almost any conversation that we have... Or that we have with our friends could be a podcast. We yeah. we talk. We have interest. We have pretty reliably interesting conversations. Um, yeah, this is not. I mean, the way that we talk maybe is kind of a bit podcasty, but the things that we talk about and the way that we talk, like this, is kind of what it is without the mic on. Like there's yeah. times where Jared and I have talked, and Jared will even say, "Man, we should have just pushed record." Like yeah. we'll say, oh, let's not do a podcast tonight. Let's just chat. That's the whole reason we started the podcast yeah. is we got done talking and we were like, that could have been a podcast episode. Yeah. And then we started it. I don't know if we ever had something that matched that conversation necessarily. I'm but, not sure, but, uh, but uh, we were, can't help but try. Yeah, that's, that's all you can do in life. But we'll probably wrap it up here. I mean, this will be good hour longest episode minutes. ever. Yeah. Right. So, but we, I guess we can do our regularly scheduled segment. Just because I, I don't know if there was enough history in this episode, so <laughs> we can uh, we can uh, see what see what see what you pull out, Luke. Here. Well, we're gonna pull out a, an interesting one on the topic of the invasion. Okay. I'm curious if there's any interesting Ukrainian facts that you might have. Um, so I'm I'm not a Ukrainian history specialist, so the fact that I'm gonna pull out is relatively vanilla. Mm. So, I'm sure it'll still blow my mind. Where did Russia come from? That's the question that all of us have on our mind. Okay. So the origins of Russia as it stands today as a modern nation go way back to the Rus. The Rus were a people um, who were Scandinavian in nature originally, kind of Viking in a way, kind of Nordic people, who settled in what is now Russia, Ukraine. The earliest center of power in um, the region that we now call Russia, or I guess what used to be the Soviet Union is the best way to say it, were the Kievan Rus. So, the Kievan Rus were the first and largest of a series of trading um, city-states, in a, in a sense, that were ruled by princes. Um, there was the Kievan Rus uh, that were the most powerful and kind of the overlords of that area during the kind of the period of you know, 900, 1,000 to 1,300 roughly. Um, and then the Mongol invasions kind of fucked the Russian steppe. Um, after that, the, uh, a series of <clears throat> leaders from the, some of the Muscovite princes from the city called Moscow um, rose to prominence, became one of the most powerful in, in the region. So why this is important, I guess what I'm saying is that a lot of the origins of early Russian history and culture are centered around the Kievan Rus. And Kiev is one of the major cities of this uh, culture of the Rus or the Rusin culture. 
which is where we get the Russias, mm. based off of the Kievan Rus, um, this, this ethnic group of people. And so the reason this is important is this is one of the motivating factors of Russia, and particularly Putin, that they make this claim that Russia and Ukraine have such a long and intertwined history. And there is some elements of truth to that statement, though they discount other parts, um, other developments uh, that happened more recently. But in the longest terms, the cultures between Russia and Ukraine are very, very intertwined, um, down to the beginnings of both cultures really being kind of um, sprouted from, from the, the same seed that would be the Kievan Rus, the Rus in general, um, then the Muscovite princes and the Russian um, kind of trading posts and trading city-states. Um, yeah, I think that's, it's a, it's a, I don't think it's a, it's a pretty, I feel like it's a pretty well-known fact. Well, hey, I'll let you know one person who didn't know that. That well, was me. Maybe a less less known fact is the the, uh, the Kievan Rus, the the Russians, uh, in in a sense, uh, they went down and raided Constantinople during the oh. um, semi like semi late um, Byzantine Empire period and became uh, were paid off by the emperor and then became the most prestigious um, bodyguard of the Byzantine Emperor, the Vangarian Guard. Uh, they were like a Viking-like people, the Rus, that protected the Byzantine Empire, Emperor. So that's wow. maybe something that's a little bit less known than... A, a double back-to-back fact. A back-to-back fact of, of Ukraine and, and Russia. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'll say. That's, uh, that's the fact for the day. Jared's big history brand has only gotten bigger over the last year. I actually think it's gotten smaller. I've read fewer books. Wow. So we'll have to just keep asking harder and harder questions. Well, you'll you will start to get me if you ask if you ask anything about Southeast Asian history mm. or Polynesian history, I might not be able to give you a solid answer. I might have to start doing a location and a date. That would be that would be an interesting one. That will that would be much more difficult. I I I would enjoy that because it get it'd be it'd be harder to like you know you know figure things out. I guess I'll uh, I'll give it a shot. I'll uh, I'll cue something up for the next year of episodes. Jared, <laughs> it was a uh, tonight was a blast. This last year was a blast. Hopefully, we can uh, keep the ball rolling with our extremely rigorous schedule of weekly episodes that we have kept up so well in this yes. last year that we will continue to do so in this next year. Absolutely, I think. You know, well, it only gets better from here. It only gets better from here. Just like our growth, it only goes up. It only, you can, it's only one direction we can go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Cannot go any lower. Yes. Only up. And as always, folks, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you have any opinions, all the zeros of listeners out there. Um, 235. That is true. That is true. The 200s of listeners that we have, please drop us a line at unpromptedpod.com you can scroll all the way to the bottom find a feedback form would love your opinions your thoughts your suggestions um if you made it this far uh how about this if you made it this far drop your venmo i will literally send you money how about, <laughs> how about that you drop your venmo i will send you money if it's you a made public it statement it is a public statement it expires in uh exactly five days after episode launch um Whenever that might be. Um, 
March 13th. 2022. Send your Venmo. There you go. And you will likely receive money from me if you leave a feedback form <laughs> on our website. But as always, thank you, Jared. Appreciate it. Here's to another year of awesome podcasts. Here's to another year. See you guys next year. We'll see you soon. Well, soon. Yeah. <laughs>